0: love can't reach. There's no place where we can't find peace. There's no end to amazing grace. Take me resurrection song. This is my hallelujah come. This is why it's to you I run.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you today in, the, in our, our time of worship. We're looking forward to you just worshiping, worshiping our Lord together today. Would you stand with us as we sing, please? Him today, amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. I believe we're going to ship a video. Yeah.
2: Well, we're trying to yeah. A short video so yeah that just gives you a little reminder, a little uh, taste of what extreme hunt is all about we talk about it but sometimes it's good to see that video especially of the the kids that are going and i mean in masses clean. drone the drone footage i tell you what when i saw that video i said no kid can say they can't clean their room because they see how fast they just clean those eggs up off that ground I and mean, they cleaned a whole lacrosse field like in no time so i'm humming there we go is that better so so when I saw the kids cleaning up that, I was like, they're not too young to clean their room. They know how to clean. You might have to hide some candy in different parts of their bedroom. But if you clean your room, you'll find a treasure somewhere in your room. So clean your room fast. But uh, I'm Pastor Tim. I'm the executive pastor here at church. Love having you here and love having you a part of our community as we serve like the Extreme Hunt. And so Extreme Hunt is coming around the corner, March 24th, 3 to 5. And we need volunteers. We need volunteers to help with parking. We need volunteers to help with greeting. It's like one of those things. It's all hands on deck. Everybody in the church, everyone that you hear my voice, you have been given a talent, a gift of some sort. Even if it's the gift of just greeting people and talking to people, you have that gift. If you have Jesus Christ living in your heart, this is your time to share Jesus Christ with the community as they come out. And you see, there's a lot of people that come out to the extreme hunt. So we want all hands on deck. So come and help us with the parking, with getting people in and out safely. Come and help us with greeting people, talking to people as they're waiting in lines to get uh, some food or something, or, or just a... Uh, just hanging around the field, this chance that you walk up to somebody and say, hey, thanks for coming out today. What brings you to, to the extreme hunt? You know, do you live here in the area? And have you heard about our church, Impact Church? And this gives you a, it's a really a, a neutral neutral plan surface. We're not at their door, knocking on their door, and they may be scared to come to church because they don't know what us church people do inside the building. Uh, so it's a, an opportunity for us to meet on a neutral site and talk to them about Jesus Christ, about our impact family. And uh, so, all hands on deck, come out and serve. So, my wife Angie's over there on the side. If you want to find a way to get plugged in, she's wearing the red Liberty, greeting people as she does. But see Angie and say, hey, I want to get plugged in. I want to know how to serve in the community. Also, candy, we want to fill the eggs. So, uh, grab eggs on the way out so you can fill those eggs. Uh, If you don't want to fill eggs or you just don't have the time or ability, if you want to donate candy, Donate candy, donate money. You can put a check in and say, hey, buy candy with this. And because uh, 50,000 eggs have to have 50,000 pieces of candy inside of them. So that takes a lot. And all of us working together can make it possible. So think about the extreme hunt. Uh, next slide will be the Blaze Pizza. We're doing a fundraiser to get our youth to summer camp. So it takes uh, about, I think, $439 for each teenager to get to summer camp. So some parents might have two kids, three kids going to summer camp. So we want to help out families that want to get their kids to a gospel-centered summer camp for their kids to hear Jesus Christ, learn about the scriptures, and how powerful the scriptures are in their life as a teenager. So Blaze Pizza is doing a great fundraiser with us. Uh, So you have to have the flyer in order for 20% of your purchase to go to our youth group. So to get that flyer, you can go to our website. Our website is impactforest.org. Go to the website, go see Jeremy or myself, and we can text you the flyer so you can show them when you go to Blaze Pizza. Uh, But buy pizza tomorrow, I think, what what does the slide say? It's today. (laughs) Today, not tomorrow. Tomorrow does us no good. I'm gonna go today and tomorrow. I like Blaze Pizza. So, so, today, so today, 20% of your purchase goes to help the teenagers out. Um, if you want to do online orders on the flyer, there's a code that you can put on the online order. So you don't have to wait in line because there's going to be everyone here in this church is going to be in line. So you want to skip the line, go online order. There's a code on the flyer that you can put the code in. So the next video is uh, we have a church plant we sponsor uh, in Texas. So here's a short video from uh, Julian and Melissa Martinez uh, who are leading up that church plant.
3: Hey, Impact Church, Uh, Julian and Melissa Martinez here, church planters to Port Arthur, Texas. We are so excited to show you the progress of our building and uh, where we are. We want to thank you. For your support. We wanna thank you for your prayers. We wanna ask you to just keep praying for us uh, because this is gonna be a long process. And as you can see, uh, we are in the middle of construction uh, as we speak. We have about four and a half weeks until Easter, which is uh, when we're wanting to launch. And so we are praying diligently and we are working our fingers to the bone uh, to get done. But we just wanted to give you an update to say thank you for your support, to say, Thank you for your prayers, and uh, and we want to ask that you would continue to pray, not only um, for our space and for all the things we got to do here, but for the hearts of the people of Port Arthur. Uh, we've, been, we've been reaching out to people, and people have been reaching out to us, and we've already seen God doing some things. And so keep praying. Thank you so much for your support, and we can't wait uh, to show you the update Easter Sunday. God bless. So that's Julian and
2: Melissa Martinez they are leading a church plant. And you know what's cool about this? I'm, I'm close friends. My wife and I are super close friends with Julian and Melissa. So we were talking to them. They were asking about, hey, we want to do a church plant. You know, one of the experiences I showed, shared with him is as our church didn't have a permanent building, or didn't have a place, we were in a tent in a field. It didn't stop us from serving the community, right? And so that's what they started doing. But we don't have a place that we've rented. We don't have a place that we meet. And so they started doing events in their community, in the poor Arthur community, even before they even knew where they were going to meet. Because they are inspired by what we were able to do at Impact Church. And so by doing those community events, they've just got connected to a poor Arthur community. It's a community in Texas that is pretty much, nobody wants to go in it. People are kind of leaving it because it's a rough area. You know, we spent the night at their house and hear gunshots, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning. And I was like, is that normal? They said, oh, yeah, sometimes it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So, uh, But it's it's a part that really needs the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they're excited to go there to start the church, and we're excited as a church because we've had so many people, as we started this church, so many people supported us and helped us along the way. So we just feel like it's right for us to help other churches to get planted, to get started. So your donations towards missions is going towards port arthur fellowship a church in uh, port arthur texas so just want to give you that on our website there's going to be a missions page that's going to show all the missionaries and all the church plans that we support so i encourage you to go to impactforest.org look at all our missionaries see where your support is going and be encouraged to you see what god's doing in those lives maybe you want to do something to extra to help them as as they have special projects and special needs uh, with all our missionaries. So we want you to know where your money goes when you go to support missions. And these are people, real live people, really doing ministry, and we're able to partner with them to help them to get, get started. So that's kind of our heartbeat by what we call Ministries Mondays. So Ministry Mondays will highlight a ministry or mission that we're supporting as a church. But uh, let's go to prayer. Dear God, thank you so much for your love for us, Thank you. You have blessed us as a church so much and, and allowed us to be a, uh, an influence and impact on this community by sharing Jesus Christ and t- taking the opportunities to serve this community, love on this community uh, like the Extreme Hunt. Just a great way to, great way to have families come together, uh, families meeting other families in the community. Uh, as a church, we get to love on them. Uh, so thank you, Father, for for how you've used us. Father, we're just uh, just tools in your hand wanting to be, here I am, Lord, use me and send me and you have done that and father we give you all the glory because it's not us it's all you and how you've uh grabbed us by the hand and said hey we can make a difference in this community together impact church hand in hand with god and father we thank you for that we pray blessings on julian and melissa martinez as they're doing the same thing inspired by what we're doing here in forest they want to do the same thing in texas and uh father thank you for uh giving them a space for where they can meet now uh, help them to finish out that renovation so they can be ready on Easter Sunday to invite the community in for the very first service at Port Arthur Fellowship. Bless them with what they need, with hands to, to work together, uh, getting everything ready to, to impact that community for Jesus Christ. Father, we pray your blessings on the rest of this service as we honor you with our voices, as we sing, as we praise. Uh, Father, pray for Brad as a church body right now, all of us pray that you would just take Brad and fill him with your spirit we lift him up to you father that you would just clear his mind of any distractions and allow him to speak honestly we do ask honestly speak to us the truth of God with love and compassion but challenge us God with the words that he's going to say help us to take it to heart not just listen with our ears but listen with our heart and let us listen to your message God that you're delivering through Brad, and may it change us Even as believers who have been believers for years, we still can grow. We can still be motivated to do more for you. Help us to listen and to apply it to our heart and glorify your name seven days a week by the way we live our lives. We love you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Let's all stand together as we sing with you. serve a faithful God can you say amen to that amen so thankful for the faithfulness of our God and that he's trustworthy that we can trust in him no matter what you may be going through today we know that we have a father who loves us and who cares for us and so as we continue to worship him let's celebrate the fact that we can trust in him thank you Lord Jesus trust in you, Father. You will never fail. You will never fail. You will never fail. We trust in you, Father. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for who you are, God. Lord, as I look around today, Lord, I just see on each face, God, that, Lord, that you are working and moving pray that we'll all be encouraged that you are a good God and that you are trustworthy. God, every, every need that may be on our hearts today, God, I pray that, Lord, you will show yourself powerful, God. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us. We pray for our families. We pray for, God, we pray for our nation, and we pray for just each other, Lord. We thank you for loving us. We pray for our Friends around the world who are serving you, as we've learned about today, God, in in various places. God, we pray for them. Pray for blessings for them and their ministries. God, we pray that as we hear your word today, God, that we will be changed to be more like you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for a pastor who preaches your word, God, who shares it straight from Scripture, God. And we thank you for that. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May be seen.
4: the face of adversity, we could never find the strength to trust without faith. Because we don't have the capability to see above the trials that we meet, to keep our eyes focused on the King while counting the situation we are currently experiencing as joy. Faith works. This is the essence of James. We don't work to be saved. We work because we are saved. Without faith, without works, we too quickly become that man in the mirror staring at his face, but then forgets the way he looks as soon as he turns away. But with faith, with works, we stay steadfast on this journey, progressively sanctified, knowing we'll be perfected once we reach the other side. Faith works. This is the cry of James, that faith apart from works can never be sustained, that in every day and in every way, we should see this truth proclaimed because it's faith that makes us doers of the word, not just hearers. It's faith that keeps us humble, not proud. It's faith that directs our tongues to bless, not to curse. It's faith that causes us to show mercy, not judgment. It's faith that leads us to true religion, not its empty substitute, and it's faith that's causing us to preach the good news to every tribe, tongue, and nation with every breath that we breathe, and it will be faith that causes us to worship our God for all eternity. This is the message of
5: James. Faith works. Amen, and welcome to Impact Church this morning. How are you guys doing? Good. Y'all ready for some spring or something out there? Man, I see the grass trying to turn green in some spots and all that stuff. Time to get the lawnmowers rocking, all that. But welcome to Impact Church this morning. And if you're visiting with us first time, fifth time, whatever it is, and maybe you're searching for a church home, maybe you're looking around just saying, Lord, where would you have me anchor myself and, and, and uh, use my abilities, use my talents to, to serve the body of Christ, get my family involved, my friends involved, um, disciple, grow in the word. Where would you have that be? If your heart is there, we hope the Lord will lead you right here. Because I tell you, God's doing an amazing work. And we would love for you and your family, your friends, to be a part of what God's doing. If you're looking for a church home that preaches God's word unapologetically, preaches it unedited in its raw form, doesn't water it down, sugarcoat it, you're in the right place. Because God's moving. We're not ashamed of God's word because I know that God's word changes lives. It changed my life. And it's changed some of yours. And it will change some of yours if it hasn't already. God is faithful. So welcome to Impact Church this morning. And here with that introduction, uh, you're going to get some sound doctrine today. Matter of fact, you're going to get some really sound doctrine the next few weeks as we go through the end of this passage in James chapter 2. You get sound doctrine every week at Impact. But what I mean by today is you're going to probably the next few weeks hear some messages that you're going to be hard-pressed to look back on your history in the church and think, did I ever hear a message that deep like that before? Because I don't know that I have. Can I just be honest with you? Growing up in the church, and, and was this passage ever so adequately explained And that's where I was going to preach the whole entirety of the rest of this passage in chapter 2, these last 13 verses today. But then, man, as I was studying and there was so much and I felt like there was so much to explain and so much misinformation, even in the church, and so much that people just don't know. The Lord just grabbed me. He's like, brother, don't be in a hurry with my word. (laughs) Take your time. So that's what we're going to do. And so we're going to turn this message into about three weeks instead of one, because this needs to be adequately explained in the church of Jesus Christ today. In this Laodicean church age that we're in, in this church age that that believes somehow that I can have my sin in Jesus too, this is a message that's needed And this is a healthy message. This is an encouraging message. This is a wake me up message, because today's message, the title of it is Living Faith. And so so today I'll start it in the next few weeks. We'll kind of go through this. And and Rick and I are actually going to tag team. Rick Kennedy is going to be preaching one of these messages. Uh, And uh, you're not going to want to miss that next week. And um, so we're going to tag team this. I'm going to tell you right now, that's a WWE tandem made in heaven right there. You know what I'm saying? We're going to be pouncing the smackdown on the enemy and some lies, right? So uh, maybe we could be like Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair or something. Well, they had hair. We can't do that. We got to be like <laughs> Dwayne Johnson and John Cena, right? Because we all bald. Anyway, but we're going to tag team this and God's going to have a word for us all. And I hope that it speaks to you as much as it's spoken to me. Can us be honest? God's word is good. It's sweet like honey. And if we'll let our hearts be right before the Lord, we're going to soak this stuff up. We're not going to run from it. Mm -mm. We're not going to run from sound doctrine. We're going to sit and we're going to let the Lord and the Holy Spirit do its work. So that's where we're at today with living faith. And we're going to intro this by asking a question is, how do you know something is alive? How do you know something's living? Well, you know, we have stages that, that we look at for clinical death in, in a human, and of course, the top being, are you breathing? And do you have a heartbeat, right? Because if you don't, we have something called what? That we can try to do, CPR, right? And try to bring you back to life, right? Just because the heart's not beaten and the breath's not there doesn't mean it's all over. So I want us to get that message today. This message may fall on you and you may self-examine yourself and be like, Brad, man, dude, I don't know where my faith is. My faith might be dead. Don't get the condemnation message from the enemy that there's no hope, that you're washed up. That God can't use you. Let this be a life giving message today from the Spirit of God and through His Word that He wants to bring us back to life, that He's got something for you, and He wants to awaken us so that we can be raised to walk in this newness of life. There's a psychologist, Dr. Alfred Adler, and he holds this interesting theory in individual psychology, and it goes right in line with what James is gonna say spiritually for us here today. Alfred Adler said this. It says, when dealing with people, he says, trust only in movement. Life happens at the level of action. He goes on to say this. We are not what we say, but we are what we do. What we do, he says, is the real key to our intentions trust only in movement so what he has done he's observed in human behavior from the viewpoint of psychology secular psychology now that only real the only real revelation of a person in their heart and their true intent is through their behavior how they live guys i'm going to tell you today james is going to point that same thing out spiritually the intent, the condition, rather, of our heart and our faith is manifested in our life by how we live. In other words, does our actions match our words? Because our actions are an outpouring of our heart. And our heart is in a condition of what we've allowed to go into our mind. So guys, where are we today? Where would this word find us Because we're going to see, James is going to point out, that there's a dead faith. There's a counterfeit faith. There's a faith that many would believe is viable, but in fact, it's dead. How do we know what that is? And once we figure out if that faith is dead, how do we bring it back to life? I'm going to tell you today, Jesus is in the business of making the blind see. He's in the business of raising the dead. Back to life. And he wants you and me to be raised today, uplifted by his word, encouraged, eyes opened, and walk in newness of life through his spirit. Let me pray for us before we dive in. Dear Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, we praise you. Lord, for who you are, that you are holy, that you are sovereign. And Lord, that you love us so much, you died for us. And you lavish upon us your grace, your mercy, and your love, and you give us this gift of salvation. And Lord, that as such, you have a plan and a design for those who you call friends, who are a child of God that, Lord, through your spirit and through your word and through your process of grace that justifies and sanctifies, Lord, that there's a difference in us. And as such, there's a light that shines out. And, Lord, how the enemy would love for the church to miss that. Because then it affects everything that you have for us to do through your sacrifice Lord let us hear your word today let us not run from it let us not resist it let us soak it up examine ourselves see if we're of the faith and if by chance this word today finds us on the failing side Lord revive us by your spirit Lord by your grace your mercy your love draw us To yourself, as your name is high and lifted up, Lord, we value your word, and I pray that your spirit would fall upon this place. Change hearts, Lord. Change lives. Move us. Lord, we want to be different. You get all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, you have a copy of God's word, and I hope you do, and if you don't, you can light it up with your phone or your iPad or whatever you got. James chapter 2. We're going to read the entire passage, um, the rest of the passage today, from verse 14 to 26. But the majority of our talking today will be stuck in verse 14. So let's go ahead and stand for the reading of God's word in James chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 14 through 26 so we can get the whole context. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works can faith save him if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says to them depart in peace be warned and filled but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body what is it prophet thus also faith by itself if it does not have works is dead but someone will say you have faith and i have works show me your faith without your works And I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also." You may be seated. Boy, that's an eye-opener, isn't it? That's an eye-opener. When's the last time he heard a detailed message on that in the church? I couldn't think of one myself. A matter of fact, to get deep study like this, unfortunately, I have to go online. Why is that? Shouldn't be that way. Guys, James points out very, very, very clearly and vividly, three different times in this passage that we just read, that there is such a thing as a dead faith. He said it in verse 17. He said it in verse 20. He said it in verse 26, that there is a faith that is dead. That means... It's not alive. That means it's a counterfeit. That means it does not save. There's a counterfeit faith that the enemy so wants to use to give people a false sense of security when their heart is still not right. Guys, this all goes back to the heart. So what we want to see and what we've already seen is this whole epistle written by James is a series of tests by which we can evaluate to see if we're really of the faith. We've already gone through a bunch of them in chapter 1 and had one at the beginning of chapter 2 last week. But before we go any farther, I think it is much, much needed and necessary to define what saving faith is. What is it? What is... James say it is. What does Paul say it is? What is ultimately the Word of God say it is? Because here's what we know: all Scripture is God breathed. This isn't Paul's words or James' words. It's whose words? It's God's words, <laughs> guys. You can't separate Jesus from His Word. This is the Spirit of the Lord speaking through these men. So there cannot be any division. But on the surface, it seems like there's horrible division. So, when we look at this, we know, first of all, what does Paul say? Ephesians 2 8 and 9, you know it. For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, it's the gift. Somebody say, gift. Gift of God. It's not of works, so that no one can boast. Guys, that's salvation. A man or a woman is saved by faith, by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ alone. It's grace plus nothing equals salvation. It's grace. It's a gift. If somebody gives you a gift, do you have to earn that gift? No, because if you earned it, it's not a gift. Then it's compensation. (laughs) Guys, salvation is not compensation for who we are. It's a gift because of who he is and his love for us. Make no mistake, we are saved by grace alone through faith in Jesus. If we depend on works for salvation, either a little or a lot, then we are never gonna live one assured day that we're saved because we're always gonna be in this weight and balance scale of do's and don'ts, of good and bad. There's some religions that follow that system. Islam is one of them. And even the leader, Muhammad himself, died not even knowing if he was saved and of course he wasn't because his God was a false God and a false religion so what then is James saying <laughs> because we see by grace alone we're saved. grace is free or it's not grace there's no works involved in this for salvation When we look at what James says, it seems on the surface that he contradicts this truth. It seems almost like James and Paul would be having some kind of argument if they were together. And I don't know how many of you are like me and you grew up watching Looney Tunes, (laughs) but you might remember this scene right here if we can get it queued up.
0: Cotton season. Zaster is an immitigated fabrication. It's rabbit season. Season, webby season, duck season, Wabbit season, duck season, webby season, webby season, duck season,
6: webby season. I say it's duck season, and I say
0: fire.
5: <laughs> yeah, you've been there. You remember that. So it would almost seem Paul and James would be doing this stuff right here. Grace works. Grace works. Guys, they're not in conflict. In fact, they're in distinct unison of authentic salvation. So we need to dig this out because on the surface, it would look as if they're not. So what is it? Is it faith by grace or is it works? How are works involved then if these are not in conflict? Would you know how to answer that if somebody faced you directly right now? I'm scared to say most people probably wouldn't biblically know how to respond. And so you would be lean toward believing a false doctrine, which is exactly what James was facing here with people who were believing a false gospel. And he had to wake them up. What else does Paul say? We know what he said there in Ephesians chapter 2. What else can we look at? Well, let's go back to Romans. And it's something that James brings out at the end of this passage. And it seems like, again, Paul says something directly opposite of what he had to say in James chapter 2. But let's look at Romans chapter 4. Let's read verses 2 through 4. For if Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. Oh, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. Oh, well, what else does Paul say? If we look in Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, Paul directly states that we are not justified by works of the law. But by faith in Jesus Christ, for by the works of the law, he says, no flesh will be justified. He said, by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. Well, what did we just read in James chapter 2, verse 21? What did he say? In verse 21 of that passage that we just read, he said, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead that's verse 20 and then in verse 21 says was not abraham our father justified by works when he offered isaac his son on the altar well who's right paul just said no flesh is justified by works james just said abraham was justified by works Through an action of trust in god who's right both let me explain really quick without stealing the thunder a couple weeks from now, which means you've got to come back, by the way. I know there's something called spring break coming up. Just cancel your plans and you've got to be at church. <laughs> or if you've got to go home, college students or people on vacation, would you commit to watch and catch all of this for the next few weeks? And I want to challenge us as well to share it. If you're on social media, I want you to grab this message afterwards whether it's on YouTube or whatever, and I want you to share it. I'm talking 30, 40, 50 shares because people need to hear this message. It's not preached today. People don't know how to answer this question. And so they're easily led astray the same direction of the people that James was trying to reel back in. That's the direction we're heading in this modern church age. And James would have the message today to call us back. That there's a faith that doesn't save There's a faith that's claimed and believed, but doesn't affect the heart and the life because the spirit of the living God has not invaded it. So what's the answer? Here's the quick answer for the Cliff Notes in case you don't catch it in a couple weeks. Paul was talking about being justified by faith before God. That's why he said no works, even if Abraham was saved by works, he would have nothing to say before God cuz that don't work. In other words, there's no pre-works to salvation. None. Zero. Nada. So Paul was talking about justification by faith before God. What was James talking about then? Justification of your faith before man. There's the difference. That you and I, the only way that there's a proof of our salvation is a changed life before myself, before others. When the Bible says to examine my faith, how do I examine my faith? I don't examine my faith by going back and and looking how many times I went to church or did I go to the altar and do it. I examine my faith by my life, by my action. How do I line up with the truth of God's word? Is the spirit of the living God in me? Am I living by the spirit? or Am I living by my flesh? That's how I examine myself. And that's what James is saying. You're not justified before God by your works, but you sure are justified before yourself and before man by your works. And it's proof of whether you really had the business dealt with in your heart that you talk about. That's what it's all about. So let's keep going. We gotta get the context now. We had to get the context of who Paul was talking to and who James was talking to so that we can define this and know that they really aren't having this duck season, rabbit season argument, (laughs) all right? So Paul, for the most part, is writing to a group of people who were caught up in Judaism. They were legalists. They were into nomism. Legalists, legalism, of course, is belief that the works of the law and good acts, good deeds bring salvation and justify us before God. That's legalism. Nomism is the belief that actions, that deeds, that good works give you acceptance before God. Guys, I'm going to tell you both are lies. Works don't bring salvation. And get this, this will twist your theology. Works don't bring your acceptance. So what are works worth then? Well, that's what James is going to get at. So stay tuned. But first, Paul was talking to these Judaizers, these legalists, these ones caught up in nomism, that they were preaching that it was faith plus the Old Testament law in order to be saved. That they weren't just presenting the the law as a code of conduct, as as a way of life, but as a means of salvation. There's the difference. They were called many times the Pharisees, if you've read the New Testament. And I'm going to tell you, a Pharisee then and a Pharisee today is well experienced in pointing out other people's sin, but they're blind to seeing their own sin. I'm going to say that again. A Pharisee of then and a Pharisee of today is well experienced in pointing out other people's sin, but they're blind to their own sin. And that's in a large part who Paul talked with so many times in his epistles, through the scriptures that we had just read that they were pushing a legalism-based salvation that you must be circumcised that you must follow the acts of the law and guys let's be clear on this do you know that there's some parts of the law that aren't done away with you realize that right even jesus said that i didn't come to abolish it i come to fulfill it were the ten commandments part of the law absolutely are they done away with no what parts are done away with that we don't have to follow? Well, there was, back in the day, without going through a full exegesis and taking our time, there was civil law, there was ceremonial law, and there was moral law, okay, in the Mosaic law. So the civil law and the ceremonial law are the laws that we don't have to deal with today because those, those were for that time and that place. The moral law, however, transcends time, okay? The moral law was not abolished. Of course, we no longer have to follow the civil and ceremonial law. Thank goodness. We don't have to go kill an animal and bring him into church every week, right? We don't have to, um, if somebody cheats on their spouse, we don't go out and stone them and kill them. That was all in the civil and the ceremonial law, guys. We don't do that anymore. But the moral law transcends time. Do you see the difference? So yes, the moral law still exists as a code of conduct, but yet still it is not a means of salvation. Do you see that? So this is where the legalists and the nomisms were preaching, though, that these works of the law brought justification and acceptance before God. Both were lies. Guys, our ultimate acceptance before God is based on the righteousness of Christ, not mine or your ability to keep the law or live righteous lives on our own. So in other words, we don't do good works to get saved. We do good works because we're saved. Here's another one. We don't do good works to be accepted by God. We're already accepted by God because of the work Jesus did on the cross. If we put our faith and trust in him. So that's who Paul was writing to a lot. Who was James writing to? We got to get this. Who'd we say in chapter one that this was written to? First words to who? Church. I want you to get that. You got to get that. The church, mostly at the time, were Jews at this time. Not many Gentiles had come in. That's why he said this is to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. We're speaking to a, a Jewish audience. We're speaking to a group of people, we got to get this, who were raised and just come out of Judaism everything we just talked about right there. They were preached and grown up in and shoved down their throat a works-based faith for their whole life. And so now James is coming in because something had gone astray in their walk, in their faith. What was that? right, so these people identified themselves as Christians now. They were no longer following the Jewish customs. They had identified themselves with Christ. But some of them obviously were genuine, but some of them were less than genuine. Hence all these tests that James gives in this epistle, does the first words to the church. So some of these Jews had gone essentially from one extreme to the other. You get that? They had experienced a stressful life because of Judaism, right? I mean, think about that. This totally works-based righteousness system for salvation. And they were raised believing the efficiency and the efficacy of works, works, works. And then along came this gospel of Jesus Christ that was about grace, that you're saved through faith. So imagine living your whole life under a system of works, knowing that you couldn't live up to that system. There was not a thing you could do to, to make yourself righteous by following that law, because the law said if you're guilty of breaking one, you might as well have broke them all. So you never could live up. You were, could, could, do you know how defeated you feel as a person? If somebody asked you to do something, that you know that you know that you know that you can't do? If somebody asks you right now, you need to dunk a basketball or you won't go to heaven. There's a lot of people to be really defeated feeling. (laughs) Not Tony, man. He's Air Tony right there. He's like, (laughs) wow. Guys, that's the same way they felt. They felt they were being asked to do something that they never could do. And it left them feeling defeated. So along came this gospel of grace of Jesus that says, hey, it's not about works. It's about faith in Christ alone. And they're like, dude, sign me up for that. I want some of that. I went out from under this burden. Because Jesus himself even said that in Matthew 23, that the people, the leaders, the Pharisees of the time who put people still under this system of works, they bind people with burdens far too heavy for them to bear. That's what they were under, guys. So now when they hear this gospel of grace, they want out. And there's nothing wrong with that because they should want out into the gospel-saving grace of Jesus Christ. But the problem was they took it too far. Because this gospel was all about grace and liberation and freedom, all about joy, some of them misunderstood that freedom and went too far the other way. Some of them, in fact, went from legalism to an unfounded abuse of liberty. Does that sound familiar today? Oh, boy, it does to me as a pastor. I've had so many conversations about this very thing right here. So they flipped the pendulum. Like, as human beings, we have a tendency to do. When we're sick and tired of one system, I'm going to go all the way over here when right here is where everything needs to be. But that's what they had done. Moved into an abuse now of this liberty, this grace. So they were under this mistaken notion that since works were not required for salvation, that maybe works weren't necessary to be manifested at all. And I can just live any way I want now. Do you see the picture now that James is talking to? So James is addressing people who were trying to basically bring about or espouse a salvation that was simply believing the facts and requiring nothing. Oh, how scary that is. The false gospel that you can just believe some facts and you're saved. And you don't have to do anything else. Guys, we live in some of that today. doesn't sound too far-fetched then does it As a matter of fact it's not just our generation it's just about every generation since James it's been prevalent but even more so today and why would that be well there's a reason so they went from legalism to what's been coined and termed antinomianism antinomianism is the belief that there are no moral laws that God expects Christians to obey and it's all by belief alone. So antinomianism takes a biblical teaching because it's not by works that we're saved and flips it around though into a unbiblical teaching that basically says, well, no life requirements need to be manifested at all. You don't need to change. You don't need to do anything. You're free. So live like you want, live it up. Boy, wouldn't Satan love to push that gospel on a church? And oh, how he's done it. Taken the very beautiful doctrine of salvation by grace through faith alone, not of works, and twisted it into a concept where belief by itself alone is sufficient, and you don't have to surrender or commit your heart to anything so that therefore you don't have to change. You can have your sin in Jesus too. Do you see that? That's what James is talking about here. That's why the call back, the wake up call, the CPR, the resuscitation is like, man, are you okay? Are you okay? Right? You know, those CPR drills and stuff, gotta clear the scene, all that kind of stuff. Hey, wake up, are you okay? Are you okay? Call 911. This guy's not breathing, his heart's not beating. And you start these compressions and these breaths. And you try to revive what's been dead. That's what James is trying to do, guys. Amen. Come on. Somebody somebody with me today. I know y'all just got your bellies full and it's warm in here. Don't fall asleep yet. It's good stuff. Guys, that's what he's trying to do. It's not a condemnation message. It's a wake-up message. Come on. I want to bring you back to life through the transforming power of the Spirit of the living God. Amen. Who's got a plan and a design and a life for us to live out as we shine the light of Christ in the darkness of a world that so desperately needs it. We don't need to look like the world. We need to be different than the world so Christ can shine through us. Therefore, authentic faith is more than just a belief of facts and an empty confession of saying, I'm a Christian. That's what James is getting at right here. That's what verse fourteen is about. It's about empty confession is dead faith. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Empty confession is dead faith. That's what James is saying in verse 14. Can that faith save him? One that just says, I believe, but has no action, no life, no difference. Why would that antinomianism type Theology be appealing to us as human beings, to me and to you? The thought that says, I don't have to do anything, I can just believe and live my life the way I want. What what does that appeal to? My flesh. (laughs) Oh man, that's my flesh. Woo, boy. I can have anything I want, do anything I want, and have my Jesus too on my way to heaven. Woo, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. (laughs) So many people are singing Amazing Grace, heading straight to hell. Because their heart hasn't been surrendered, they believe some facts. They've said with their mouth that they're a Christian. But their heart hasn't ever been changed, and therefore their life is proof of that absence. So, whatever the cause, whatever the background, there were some who felt themselves were just hearers of the word, and I didn't have to be a doer. Didn't we just have that message? Ah, boy, in the chapter one, Be doers of the word, not hearers only. Because why? If you just hear the word and walk away and don't do what it says, you're like somebody looks in the mirror and forget even who they are. That's not proof of saving faith. Remember, there's a series of tests in this book that he's getting at. So empty confession is dead faith. And get this. Empty confessors, these antinomianism, these people who are more of these libertine values that claim the facts but don't believe that change is necessary, they still love good teaching. I want you to think about that. They still love a, a good word because they'll be oh amen, yes, mm-hmm, I believe that right there, uh-huh. But they never let it affect their heart, and their life. Guys, did you know that Herod, back when John the Baptist would preach, you can read this in Mark chapter 6, verse 20, that Herod loved to hear John the Baptist preach. Did Herod ever surrender his life to the Lord Jesus Christ? Nope. But he loved a good preacher, boy. Do you see that? Can I tell you this? Satan doesn't care if you come to church. Satan doesn't care if you come to impact and hear a good word every week. Just so long as you don't surrender and apply it and be a doer of the word. You can hear it all you want. Just don't let it change you. And you're right in line with the enemy. He's right where he wants you. Just listen to it. Just agree with it. Or maybe there's some parts you don't like. Oh, just good past this pastor. I don't want to hear it. da, 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 da. Okay, it's over. Whew. If that's you, you better examine yourself and see if you're of the faith. Yes, there's parts of this word that will step all over your toes. But it's not a condemnation message. It's a healthy conviction message of a loving heavenly father who wants better for you. That's what this word is. Don't run from it. Don't run away from this word. Let it soak in and give you life. A new life where Jesus is at the center. So, do Paul and James have the same doctrine? Boy, we better hope so. Because if they don't have the same doctrine, we might as well close this up, go home, and stop wasting our time. Because they just contradicted themselves. I want to show you where they have the same doctrine. Even after what we've read, what Paul said, let's read some more of what Paul said. Romans chapter 2, verse 5 through 11. But in accordance with your hardness in your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to each one according to his deeds. Oh. Did James write that or Paul? Paul. They ain't in conflict. Eternal life to those who by patient continuance are doing good, seek for glory, honor, and, immorality, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation, and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, and the Jew first and also for the Greek. But glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for there is no partiality with God. How about 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19? Paul speaking to his mentor. It says, nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. That means God knows the heart. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Authentic, saving faith has the characteristic of departure from iniquity. Not making excuses to stay in it. How about Titus? Let's flip there. What did Paul say in Titus? Let's look at Titus chapter 1, verse 16. The word of God says this. It says they profess to know God, but in works they deny him. Being an abominable disobedient and disqualified for every good work. They profess to know God, I know God, empty confession. But in the life they live, they deny him. Their life doesn't match their words, the faith they claim to have in Jesus. Titus chapter two, verse 11 through 14. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness, there's a, a work of the spirit, denying ungodliness and worldly lust that's denying yourself, right? We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearance of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, whom gave himself for us, that he might redeem us, that's bring back to life, from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for, oh, you know it, good works. That's Paul. He ain't in conflict with James. James. This ain't no duck season, rabbit season argument. This is locking arms together in ministry and let's go, baby. Let's preach authentic salvation and let's wake them up, wake them up. Whether on the side of legalism and think it works to be saved or whether on the side of antinomianism thinks that it's just belief alone and I don't have to have my heart and my life radically changed by the transforming power of the spirit of God. Whatever side they're on, let's go get them. That's tag team, baby. That's Jesus. We're going to meet people where they're at, and we're not going to leave them where they're at. We're going to call them back to a saving faith. I think I'm the only one excited in here. I know I'm crazy. I want y'all to be crazy, too. Y'all, get some crazy on you. (laughs) Titus chapter 3, verse 8. This is a beautiful saying. This is a faithful saying. And these things I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain. Oh, there it is again good works these things are good and profitable to men do you see it i hope you see it now i hope you see it a changed life is proof of authentic salvation we're going to find these works in just a second we know Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. We already said Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you'll be saved through faith. It's not of yourself. This is the gift of God. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. But then how about verse 10? This is Paul again after he just said we're justified by faith. For we are God's what? Craftsmanship, workmanship, whatever translation you have. Created in Christ Jesus to do what? Oh, there it is again. Good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. No argument here, baby. Ain't no argument here. This is complete unison of the word of God and his messengers. This is his canon of scripture. There's no disagreement. In fact, it's a defense against two different attackers of authentic faith and of the true gospel. Legalism and then just free to live like I want. Both are wrong. Both are wrong. And both get called back through the word of God. So, Paul a lot of times is pointing to the root of our justification. James is pointing to the fruit of our justification. And we're familiar with that. Those of you that are like into planting gardens and stuff right now, I know the time of year is here and you plant trees and gardens and all that kind of stuff. And we're familiar with that. That we know that as a seed sprouts up, it brings what? First, before it comes out of the ground, just a whoop, a root. You got to get a root system going here, too. So what happens, though, is that plant matures, there is going to be some kind of fruit, some kind of harvest that's produced, correct? So therefore, James pointing to the, for the fruit, Paul pointing at the root, and we just seen they're both pointing at the fruit and the root, because without any root, there is no what? Fruit. Come on. No root, no fruit. So if I have no fruit, that means I have no root (laughs) that's it that's it empty confession is dead faith so can faith that's not accompanied by dramatic change in moral character and conduct be true saving faith well, we know there's a process of sanctification that takes place. It's not an immediate. Once you commit and surrender your heart to Jesus, it's not the next day that, that all your um, bad habits and everything that you're accustomed to are gone away. Because there becomes a, a growth and a pattern of understanding God's word in scripture. And as you stay in that, God's spirit moves and works in you and moves you closer to the image of Christ. So therefore, we'll say what we said at the beginning. This is a test not of what? Perfection. This is not a test of perfection. This is a test of what? Direction. Do you see the difference? This is not a test of perfection. You and I will never be perfect. I'm gonna mess up. I'm gonna lose a ball game. Remember that message? But I'm not gonna make excuses for losing that ball game, and I'm not gonna be satisfied with losing that ball game because I wanna win the next time. That's authentic faith in a believer that falls for temptation once, be like, ah ha ah, ah, ha fool me once, shame on you, but fool me twice, shame on me, baby. I ain't fooling again. I'm not falling for that again. I'm not living in this anymore. Lord, help me. And we know there's things and, and addictions and things in life where you need that help. You need accountability. You need uh, groups Uh, and support groups like Celebrate Recovery and and Chain Breakers that we have here to help you come out of certain lifestyles that have a grip on you. But your heart can still be justified in trying to move a different direction even while something has a grip on you, but you're trying to come out. Do you see the difference? Versus I'm just making an excuse for this because this is who I am, Lord. You know my heart and I just, you know, and I'm just gonna live this way because it makes me feel good. You see the difference? that I'm not making excuses for the loss, I'm trying to come out. It's not a test of perfection, it's a test of direction. We look to close up here as quickly as I can. So verse 14, very clearly, so I can say with my mouth and not have it in my heart. In that 1 John chapter 2, verse 4, just plain and simple, just re-paraphrased, The man that says, I know him, meaning I know God, but does not do what he commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Isn't that what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount? We said so many times these passages in James teach the Sermon on the Mount and reflect it. Matthew 5, verse 16, Jesus said, So let your light shine before men that they may see your, oh, there it is again, good works, and glorify your Father in heaven. Matthew chapter 7 Verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, with their mouth shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my father. It's the sayers, it's not the sayers, it's the doers. What's the difference in the doers? What works are we talking about? We need to define that now. Are we just talking about works like uh, being a good person, giving a little money at church, coming to church? Uh, Let me see singing on stage teaching a life group going to a life group read my bible um are those the works that prove salvation no those are all great things that people that are truly justified will do but they don't prove salvation. How can you say that, Brad? We just told you, Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who calls me Lord will enter my kingdom, only those who do the will of my Father. Then he says this, many will come to me on that day. Somebody say many. Many, many not a few. And it's talking about people in the church. Many will come to me on that day and say, but Lord, didn't I prophesize in your name? That's teach. Didn't I cast out demons and perform many miracles? That's acts, that's works. And he'll say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. What? I did some works. I claimed your name. But your heart wasn't right. So is a work just coming and and worshiping? How about worship? You can really tell somebody saved by worship, can't you? I mean, they they raise their hands and they're just so passionate when they worship. They're like, woo! i can just i can just see the spirit when they're just worshiping jesus said he quoted isaiah said they praise me with their lips but their hearts are far from me that's not the work either he's talking about what are the works then what works are we talking about it's works of the spirit it's not works of the flesh it's works of the Spirit. What are the works of the Spirit? Look at everything James just went through in James chapter 1. What did he say? How we endure under trials is proof of authentic salvation. Do I endure or do I turn my back on God and run away? When I ask for wisdom, do I, do I turn to him and trust in God or do I lean on my own understanding and doubt God? How about in temptation? How do I respond to temptation? Do I blame God and blame somebody else? Or do I blame myself for my own evil desires and try to write that with a holy God through the Spirit? How do I respond to his word? There's a good work that's proof of the Spirit. Do I run from sound doctrine? Do I resist it? Do I get angry when the pastor preaches something about something that I'm living in and want to do? And I ignore it? Or do I soak that stuff up and say, Lord, help me? That's a work that James is talking about, not the do's and the don'ts, but the surrenders and the submitting, works of the Spirit. That's it. That's got to be it. It's not works of, oh, I got a a t-shirt on that says, I love Jesus. That's great. It doesn't save you. I've got a necklace on, I've got some beads, I've got a sticker on my car, that's great. It doesn't save you. I claim the name of Jesus, I go to church every week, I serve, I go to Bible studies, I sing Amazing Grace, that's all great, it doesn't save you. Have you surrendered your heart to Jesus? Denied yourself, take up your cross, follow him no one's saved by works but no one's truly saved without producing works is what we just read all through scripture if you don't see it by now I'm not going to convince you you'll never be convinced if you ain't convinced after what you just heard i read so many scriptures on purpose because I didn't want you to hear me I wanted you to hear Jesus so here's the kicker if you take your notes man is saved by faith alone but the faith that saves is never alone. Oh, that's worthy right there to post on Facebook or something. Put that stuff up there. Man is saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. It comes with a transformed heart and a transformed life. So, don't miss heaven by 18 inches. That's the distance from your mind to your heart. A lot of people believe. But have you let that transform your heart? You see, when you publicly say, I believe in Jesus, he is Lord of my life, you're also publicly submitting to his word and everything it teaches. Did you know that? You can't separate Jesus from his word. You can't say, I'm a Christian, but I don't follow everything that's in here, Brad, and I don't want to. You're not saved. Holiness is not the way to Christ. Christ is the way to holiness. It's his righteousness anyway. Our acts are just dirty rags. But the works we just clarified are the works of the Spirit, that we respond differently under trial. We respond differently under temptation. We respond differently to his word. We respond differently to God's people when they come into church. That was the message last week. We respond differently with our tongues. That's coming later in James. We respond differently. Not be... Because I'm trying harder, I'm trying harder, I'm trying harder, to do good things, do good things. No, it's because I've surrendered more and Jesus has total authority in my life. And he's radically changed my heart through his spirit and his word. That's CPR. So if you find yourself and you find like, Brad, I don't know if my faith is where it needs to be right now, I'm gonna offer you some CPR. No, I'm not gonna put my mouth on your mouth, don't you worry. <laughs> but I'm gonna give you some CPR, which is an offer that he paid on the cross, and it's Christ-paid resuscitation and redemption. I'm gonna put the AED up here with the word. It's an automatic eternal defibrillator. It'll change your life forever. And then through his word and through his spirit and through his promise, because he's faithful, he's gonna give you the epinephrine shot. That's the Holy Spirit in your life to guide you, to to direct you, to lead you, to give you a hunger for his word, to give you a thirst for what he wants you to walk out. It's not by works you're saved. Man's saved by faith alone. But the faith that saves is never alone. Let's pray. Bow our head, close our eyes. I just wonder if there's anybody in here, you might say, Brad, right now, I don't know, man, I don't know if I got it. And before I leave here today, I want to, I want to got it. I want to get it. I want to have it. I need it because I'm tired of living life on my own. I'm tired of being deceived. I'm tired of being all torn up into things of this world. And I want something different. Jesus has given you that right now at the foot of the cross. He paid the price. Come and put your trust and your faith in him alone. If you've never done it, I want you to do it right now. You might be here, you might say, Brad, I've done that before, man. I've, I've committed my life to Christ. And there was some authentic change and difference that you've explained in my life at one time. But lately, man, I've drifted, man. The world's tough and temptation is real, man. And I've fell for some stuff and, and I've drifted away from God and I've doubted his word. And, and, and I've, I've looked for other things to fill me up and I'm empty inside right now. And I want to come running back to Jesus and rededicate my life. If that's you, I want you to do business also right now between your heart and God's heart. To receive him for the first time or to rededicate your life to jesus right now in this place just say dear lord i admit to you that i messed up i'm a sinner i'm in need of you my savior thank you lord for sending the gift of your son god in the flesh to die on that cross to break his body to shed his blood so that i could be revived lord i need some cpr i need you put those AED paddles of your word on my heart and on my chest and say all clear and get the world away from me and my flesh away and revive me, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying on that cross because you love me and you knew I'd be in this shape right here, right now and your word is calling me out. And I'm responding with a yes. Thank you for raising from the grave three days later, proving that you are God and that you stand in victory over all hell, death, the grave. Lord, I want to walk and stand in that same victory. So you now are Lord of my life. And I live by your authority, by your word. Thank you, Lord, for saving me that's you right now, you did business with Jesus for the first time, or you rededicated, boldly, unashamed, right now, right now, raise your hand. Say, Brett, I did business with Jesus. I'm not ashamed, and I need you to pray for me. Amen. We're going to close our service like we do every week, and I'm just going to ask you to put to motion with your feet, whatever God's doing in your heart, whatever that is. Maybe you just made a decision for Jesus. You need to come pray or talk with a pastor. They'll be up here. Or you don't need us. You can walk right past us and just meet with Jesus at the foot of the altar right here. Maybe it's you just need prayer. You need time to spend with Jesus over a situation going on in life, whatever that is, financial, relational, health. Maybe you need to pray over a lost loved one. Maybe you need to pray about joining the church, whatever it is. Right now, stand to your feet, please. Let's sing with all our heart, with all our voice. Right now, let's come as the Lord leads. Thank you so much for joining us this week in worship at Impact. We trust to know that God's doing an amazing work in your life and in your heart through his word because He is faithful. Hey, if you made a decision for Christ here today, would you let us know? I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.impactforest.org. There you'll find out how you can contact us and let us know what God's doing in your life. There you'll also find out more about what God's doing through this church to impact lives, and also find ways that you can give to financially support this ministry as the Lord leaves. We hope that you can join us here each and every week online if you cannot attend the service in person, and we would encourage you to lock arms with us in this mission that God has placed us on to make an impact for Christ. We'll see you next Sunday.